We are smack dab in the middle of a pandemic, y'all. As leaders, speakers, trainers, event organizers, we're definitely wondering, OMG, when do we ever get back to the vibe and the energy of in-person events? That's what we need, right? Or is it? Let's talk about that today. We talking about leadership communication, public speaking, storytelling, motivation. And if you listen, you can speak out to the nation. If you think about it, life is your own creation. RK3 is the show. He speaks with confidence. He speaks with that flow. And you should already know how it goes. Get rolling with a pro. The RK3 Show. Hey, y'all, it's the RK3 Show. I'm Robert Kennedy III, RK3. That's me. It's episode 85. And today we're going to jump right in. Yeah, not a lot of preliminaries, etc. Why? (laughs) Okay, I'll be real with you. I'm recording these right now. And truth be told, I'm behind schedule here. (laughs) That's the truth. I'm just keeping it real with you. Here's the deal. We're coming up on the end of the year 2020, and I want to hear from you. Shoot me a voicemail answering this question. What should we do for episode 100 to celebrate? We're at episode 85 today, only 15 more episodes to go. What should we do for episode 100 to celebrate, send me a voicemail at robertkennedy3.com forward slash voicemail. That's robertkennedy, the number three dot com forward slash voicemail. I want to add you to the show. Let's jump in. Today's guest is Blue Melnick. He is a business consultant specializing in video production, online marketing, sales, and communication. He and his wife, Barry, own Sage Event Management. Now, Sage is the go-to company for running any event. They're responsible for the magic behind major events like ClickFunnels, Yearly Event, Funnel Hacking Live. They help speakers, authors, and major influencers leverage the live and virtual event space to launch a seven-figure coaching business in three days or less. Over the past few years, he's helped his clients generate over $400 million in sales from live events. Let's dive in with Blue. How are you doing today, Blue? I'm doing great, Robert. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be on with you today. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I think one of the things that's exciting me about this conversation right away is that, number one, we're here. We are in this space where where we're shifting a lot of different things. And as a speaker myself, when things went awry a little bit in March, once quarantine hit, I had a lot of events canceled. I had a lot of things shift for me. So, you know, this is fairly new for a lot of people, but you've been in event management for a while. So how did you become involved with this virtual event, virtual experience space? Yeah, so I think the reality is, uh, much like most people who are in it right now, uh, it was uh, not by design, more by um <laughs> by survival, um, you know, much like you said, somewhere around uh, March 13th or 14th, when a yeah. national emergency was declared, uh, in the next like seven days, we had every event up until September 1st cancel. And yeah. in the following probably three, four weeks, um, we had the rest of the events for our year cancel. So mm. as a live event business first, um, we had two choices. One was, you know, curl up and take it um, and lay off our team. We have about, you know, 15 full-time team members uh, and hope that when 
live events come back, that team hasn't gone and got other jobs, which they probably will because they're good. Uh, so the hope was, or the, the second choice was to actually shift and yeah. try out this whole virtual thing. And that's really where it started. You know, it was a little bit by necessity. Uh, we had our first client uh, who had his event cancel August, or sorry, April 3rd through the 5th. Right. And we gave him a call about two and a half weeks beforehand and said, hey, you want to try out this crazy idea we have to go virtual? And he said, yes, we had uh, great success as a result of it. And we've just simply refined the process from there. So that's kind of how we got here. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of organizations, though, as a speaker, you hear that some some organizations are considering whether they should do things in the fall or should, they should just push their events off until 2021 because they have this expectation or this thought process that we're going to get back to where we were to what we were doing. So tell me a little bit about how you are. I'm, I'm going to use a big word here. How are you prognosticating? How are you predicting the future for your business and, and, and virtual events? So as it relates to live events, I think anybody who says to you that they know what's coming really is either lying to you or they're lying to themselves. Mm. So, you know, and lie is a harsh word, but the reality is at this point, I think nobody knows what's coming down the pike for live events, let alone for COVID, right? So, uh, you know, for now, our, our basket is uh, full with live, with live virtual events. And um, when in-person events start to make a a comeback, I'm sure we'll dip our toe back into that water. But for now, a lot of our clients are seeing better results than they were getting with in-person events from their virtual events. They're getting better engagement uh, most of our clients use a live event to launch a coaching program or product or service, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. As a result of having more engagement and also having broader reach, they're having better financial results. So my guess, and this is a hard guess, right? I would not presume <laughs> to know anything at this point is when live events come back, and I think they will be in the grand scope of things, the last thing to go back to normal as it relates to COVID. I think that virtual events are here to stay. I do think some of our clients will return to live, but I think they will also keep virtual events as a tool in their tool belt to allow themselves broader reach and and a much more global audience, which is really interesting. Wow. So let's talk about the virtual events for a moment here. When, when things went virtual, there were all of these platforms. I mean, Zoom, for example, they just blew up. Their business model just shifted o- overnight, right? So, and a lot of companies are saying, hey, let's go live on Zoom. And that's, that's kind of our virtual event. But, you know, you, I know you as an event person, you see a lot of people getting, getting this wrong. What's the biggest thing? that you see virtual event producers getting wrong. Yeah. Well, first off, Zoom really has done an amazing job of pivoting, right? They went from about 10 million daily active users 
who are in Zoom meetings uh, to now their last number I heard was over 350 daily act, 350 million, million daily yeah. active users um, who take part in a Zoom meeting over the course of 24 hours, which is unbelievable to me. But the biggest mistake that most people, most companies, most organizations are getting wrong when they go to virtual is they're treating it like an extended webinar. Right. So they're saying, OK, this is what worked with webinar. This is what worked maybe with a live stream broadcast. Let's take that and extend it over the course of a full day. Let's extend it over the course of two or three days. And the biggest challenge with that, that that we see anyway, and the reason why I don't think those people are getting the results that we're seeing is webinars, live stream broadcasts. They're very much one way. Right. It's not an interactive experience. It's me talking to you and maybe you can chat back to me. Maybe you can submit a question somewhere along the way, but I can't see you. I can't hear you. I can't talk with you. And I don't just mean you as in one person. I mean you as in thousands of people. Right. And that's for the most part what I think that most people are getting wrong. They're just approaching it from the wrong angle. And what we did that was a little bit different is we looked at it, we came at it from a live event perspective. We didn't come at it from a webinar perspective. We said, okay, how do we recreate the live event experience? Yeah. And one of the things that's unique about live events, you know this as a speaker, is from stage, the host, the speaker, the people on stage, they get energy. They derive energy from the audience, right? And you don't really get that same energy from a camera. Right. So one of the things that we started with was how do we replicate the audience environment from the host's perspective, allow the host to see hundreds of faces and in some cases thousands so that they can see how people are interacting. They can feel how people are interacting and still have that same connection that they do from a live event stage. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, so what, what are the, some of the, things that you're sharing with with organizers what are some specific things that you're using to help them um, level up or amp up their engagement for sure so first off believe it or not i know you mentioned it but what we use as our delivery platform of video is zoom we use zoom meetings specifically we use it a little bit differently than it was originally intended um (laughs) You know, especially when you think about the fact that our largest virtual event to date was over 20,000 people and Zoom meeting, which is actually what we use, not Zoom webinar, has a thousand thousand person capacity limit. So we're essentially taking Zoom and running multiple meetings simultaneously so that we can keep them in small groups. Think of them as sections in an audience. Right yeah. In a large stadium or in a large ballroom, you've got the left side, the right side, the center side, something along those lines. So we are, we're starting with that as, as our premise. Mm-hmm. And then from there, there are four main things that, that we do differently because not only, and this is to get show up, um, which I think is the most important part, right? You can get people to register for your virtual event, but what you right. really want is for them to show up. And I'll tell you a little bit about you know, some of the numbers that we see when you compare it to webinars. Um, But not only do we want the host to think of it differently and to think of it like a live event, not like a webinar gone long. Yeah. Is we also want the attendees to see it like a live event. 
right? We want them to market on their calendar, to set time aside, to have a space where they can interact with the host and be there for three full days because these are long days. We're not talking about like we'll do two hours a day in the morning and two hours in the afternoon. We yeah. start at 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern time and we go all the way through till seven, eight o'clock at night. Right. And our attendees stay with us. Um, on average, we get about 90% of the people who register for a live event actually check in. And then from there, we get about 90% of the people who check in stay with us consistently all day long for three days. And when you compare that to webinars, which I'm sure you've, you've hosted a webinar or two in your past, if you get 1,000 people to sign up for a webinar, you're happy if 200 of them show up, right? Right. Yep. So we are getting our attendees to think of them, these, these events as events and getting that 90% show up through four main things. And I'm, I'm happy to share them with you. I can run them through them really, really quickly. Yep. So your audience can, yeah. Okay. So first thing, no recordings. All right. Really important in the marketing for the event. This is a live event. I want, I want you to show up live so we don't market recordings and we right. don't tell them there will be replays. If you miss a session, you missed a session. You know, we kind of liken this to a live event. If you came downstairs from your hotel ballroom an hour and a half late, you wouldn't walk to the back table and say, hey, could I get that video <laughs> of Robert on stage? Because I missed it this morning, right? Right. It's a live event. So that's, that's number one. And we're upfront with that. Before they actually sign up for the conference, this is a live conference, no replays, no recordings. Right. Number two, uh, we send every single attendee a swag box of some kind. And it doesn't have to be super expensive. It doesn't have to be super elaborate. The bottom line is we send something to all of our attendees via FedEx so that it arrives in the two to three days before the event takes place. Yeah. Because there is no better email reminder on the planet than a FedEx guy knocking on your door, handing you a box that says, here's your, your stuff for the live event, right? It's similar to when you check in at a live event, you get the swag bag, right? right. So we're replicating that, but it's getting people to remember that it, that it's happening. And it's like, Oh mm -hmm. wow. Okay. That's different. That's cool. The third thing that we do is we do an in-person check-in. So every single one of our attendees has a face-to-face -face before the event takes place with a member of our team that just welcomes them to the meeting and says, we're looking forward to having you. Here's a little bit of information about the, uh, about the event. And when we started doing this initially, the first thing that the reason we did it was we wanted to make sure that people had Zoom installed on their computer, right? We wanted right. to avoid any technical problems. So we actually call it a tech check. Right. But what's really amazing is the touch point that it creates, Right, because when was the last time you went to a webinar and the day before you talked to a member of the web of the host's team and actually had a one on one conversation with them? It's like that's a never. Exactly. So, <laughs> so now we've done three things to completely differentiate ourselves. Right now, the the attendee is thinking of this as an event, not a webinar. Yeah. And then the last thing we do is we implement gamification into the process. And gamification is a little bit of a buzzword from a couple of years ago that I'm not a huge fan of. Right. But so, so we call it funification. 
But basically, we're rewarding attendees for taking the action we want them to take. So if we want them to show up for a Zoom meeting, we reward them when they click on the link that joins the Zoom meeting. If we want them to download a PDF, we reward them when they download the PDF. If we want them to fill out a survey on our dashboard or our microsite for for the event, we reward them for taking that action. So that... That, in combination with the other three items, makes this experience completely different and engages your audience at a much higher level than, than what is normal for online experiences. Communication, motivation, leadership, and more. You're listening to the RK3 Show. Have you ever wondered why some people are able to be remembered so easily? Have you ever thought about why they are associated with certain experiences? Well, it's because they repeat those experiences regularly. They have what is called a signature story. And guess what? You have one too. You might not know how to find it or tell it yet, but you have one. Here's what I want you to do. Sign up for my free five-day email course and learn how to discover your signature story so that you can tell it, create impact, improve your influence, and even enhance your brand. Sign up for the five-day signature story email course. Check the show notes for the link. And now, back to the show. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And I'm almost envisioning, actually, I'm pushing, seeing how it pushes back against some of the the beliefs or the the data or resources out there that say, hey, people don't want to be online for more than two hours or three hours. And I'm looking at listening to what you're talking about. And I'm looking at Tony Robbins has this huge studio built out and event coming up that's three days long. And so, you know, people are going to be staying online for these virtual live events for, you know, (laughs) 36 hours. I'll tell you, um, I'll tell you a little secret about the Tony Robbins um, event. First off, um, my wife, Barry and I may be intimately involved in that conference. It's entirely possible. (laughs) Um, And uh, Tony goes for long hours. So, you know, he starts at around 10 o'clock in the morning and, you know, it, it, one of the nights, because we've done this previously, it went yeah. till about one thirty in the morning. Yeah. And people stuck with us the entire time. Wow. And they were engaged the entire time. And you're right, it completely pushes back against what people think um, will take place, right? They think there's too many distractions at home. There's mm-hmm. too much stuff going on. There's no way they stay with you all day. And I'll tell you, if you're boring, you're right. Yes. But if you engage your audience and if you teach them in a way that has them being interacting with each other as well as with you, mm-hmm. you'll keep them engaged, especially if you take them through a flow that is designed to deliver the promise of your live event. Wow. Wow. So I want to take from that. I'm, I'm sure the audience or the listeners are thinking about events and storytelling and, and how they speak and how they show up online differently. I want to transition that to to corporations or businesses. What lessons should businesses and corporations be taking away from this since they have so many virtual meetings? You know, that's a that's a great question. Um, and there's a couple ways to look at it. Number one is how do you interact with your company in in team format, right? right? What sort of things do you do to have them show up if you're a larger corporation to team meetings or sales meetings or what have you? 
The other side of it is how do you show up and produce an event virtually? And I'll tell you, um, this company that I'm about to mention is usually mentioned for the innovative things that they do that succeed. And one of the things that, that I have seen since COVID happened that was the least inspiring in my mind was what Apple did for WWDC, mm-hmm. uh, their Worldwide Developer Conference. I'm a huge Apple fan. I, yep. you know, I've got much like I'm sure most of your listeners do. I've got my iPhone, I've got my iPad, I've got my MacBook Pro. You know, I'm looking forward to the announcement for the iPhone 12 because okay. you know, the moment it's announced, I will likely order it. <laughs> but Apple did such a great job for years with live events because right. they were live. And WWDC's primary keynote address was this canned, contrived thing that was fully edited, that was fully telepromptered. You could tell that there was nothing live about it. Yeah. And it just sucked the life and the energy out of it for me. And I, I watched it because I wanted to hear the information. Yeah. But it was not nearly the same experience as when Tim Cook walks on that stage and welcomes people for the first time or when Steve Jobs used to do it. Yeah. Um, and we're not going to compare Steve Jobs and Tim Cook today because that doesn't make sense or seem fair to Tim Cook. Right. But it really is the difference between live and pre-recorded or canned. And I think that corporations who I think take the safe road now that they can, right? In the past, they had to do this live keynote address and maybe they were a little concerned about delivery, but so many of them are saying, well, now that we have this opportunity to do this canned and pre-recorded, let's do it. But I, I just think it doesn't land the same. And I know it didn't land the same for me. And, um, and I, you know, I enjoy watching their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So political leanings aside, what, what did you think about the democratic and Republican national conventions this year? That had to be delivered in a different way. Yeah. And what's interesting is two completely different um, takes on it, right? Yeah. I um, preferred the delivery and the showmanship of the uh, Republican um, national conventions, generally Uh speaking. Um, And I watched a little bit of both just because... I wanted, I I watched it not from a political perspective. I was just curious what they were going to do. Right. Right. And, um, you know, I I did think that the use of audience, forget whether or not you agree that it was safe. Right. Right. But the use of audience for, from the Republican side, um, really did make it better for the speakers. Right. You could tell that they were more engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, ge- generally speaking, I think the thing that I really, and that this is because the Democratic side or the, the DNC's convention, it really was a one-way live stream, right? So there right. was no interactivity. Whereas on the RNC side, they didn't get any interactivity from the virtual audience, which I would have loved to have seen in either one of those scenarios. Right. Um, but they did get some in-person interactivity from the in-person audience. So yeah. I think that's what made it, for me anyway, a little bit different. Um, and I, and I think they could have done more. I think both of them yeah. missed an opportunity to engage their virtual audience in a way that yes. hasn't been seen before. 
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, where can we find out a little bit more about you? Where do you hang out online? I know you have your event site. Where else do people find you? Yeah, so uh, we have a, a Facebook group um, or a Facebook page, um, which is, I think, facebook.com slash powered by Sage. Yeah. Um, if they want to know a little bit more about um, events in general, they can always email us at events at powered by uh, But, you know, generally speaking, what what we hope for is that, you know, people take a little bit of this information and apply it to what they're doing virtually, because I don't think live events are coming back anytime soon. And I think there's a tremendous opportunity for people who perhaps were a little concerned about doing live events in the past because of the financial risk associated with them. Yeah. Virtual events provide a really interesting opportunity for people to dip a toe in the live event world without having to have this massive hotel contract, this massive venue contract hanging over your head. So I hope that you guys take this information and uh, and apply a little bit of it because I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Excellent. Excellent. Blue, it's been amazing to have you on the show. Thanks for hanging out. Of course. Thanks for having me. Listen, if you're planning on running an event live or virtual, I hope this episode blessed you. You don't need the situation to be perfect to have a perfect event. You don't always need the right scenario to make a difference. Get out there, get help, make your dreams come true and transform the life of someone else while you're at it. I loved, loved, loved this episode. I'm so glad that you were able to join me for episode 85 and I hope you'll be with me for episode 86. Don't forget to leave a ranking, rating or review for the show on any one of our podcast networks, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google Play Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now we're on Amazon Music. Ooh, you got to check that out. (laughs) Don't forget, send me a message. Answer the question, what should we do for episode 100? Send me a message by going to robertkennedy3.com forward slash voicemail. That's robertkennedy3.com forward slash voicemail. Listen, y'all, I know life ain't easy and you got a lot of stuff, but don't forget, your stuff is your story and your story deserves a stage. I'm Robert Kennedy III and you've been listening to The RKT Show.